Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Lions 24-7 podcast. It is a Penn State football game week. A little bit of an abbreviated game week because it is a Thursday night kickoff out at Purdue for Penn State. Jumping right into it with Big Ten action as we've discussed for a long time. Lot to look forward to about the early part of this Penn State schedule. But first things first, uh, the Boilermakers await. We're going to talk about that matchup in detail on our next episode of this podcast, which will come out on Tuesday. We've got a longtime uh, Purdue beat reporter who gave us the lowdown on where the Boilermakers are coming out of their preseason camp and coming off of a nine-win season. They've lost some key pieces, but anticipation is building in Lafayette for what this matchup may mean. Back here in Happy Valley, we were able to get in front of James Franklin on Monday morning. Normally, we hear from the head coach of the Nittany Lions on Tuesday afternoons when it's a game week. But with this Thursday kickoff, they got off to an early preparation schedule for this matchup. And that meant that the media stuff was adjusted accordingly as well. It also means that we'll be on the practice field on Monday, a little bit later today, a few hours after we record here. So head over to lions247.com. Monday evening for whatever we got coming out of the practice field and uh, a, a lot coming out of this day as we bring in Daniel Gallen, my colleague at lines247.com. Need some help sorting through some of the updates that we got on Monday morning. We knew there was an opportunity uh, for a chance to get some clarity on the position battles. That's always a big topic of discussion when you get to this first game week. No public depth chart out there. We, we've had uh, ours out for a few days, what we project. Um, now, we did get some clarity, and, and we know who some starters are going to be, but it was a non-starter who stole the headlines, stole the spotlight on Monday morning, Daniel. Yeah, I, I just texted you before we started, and I said it, it's kind of wild that the, the biggest position battle news, the biggest roster news for Penn State three days before a pretty big season opener is about the number two quarterback. Um, I don't think any of us really drew it up like that when we were uh, coming into this week and going through uh, some of the position battles. Uh, on the roster, but coming out of James Franklin's uh, press conference earlier Monday, I think the news that Drew Aller will be the number two behind Sean Clifford um, against Purdue on Thursday night. Um, I think that was the biggest news. We weren't really expecting that. You mentioned that depth chart, uh, and we had Aller and Bo Perula uh, in there in that number three spot behind Christian Veyer. Um, But it's going to be Drew Aller behind Sean Clifford on Thursday. And I think that it, there's some excitement about that. There's some surprise, and it's something to that we weren't really planning on unpacking today, I don't think. Yeah, we got a couple of notes on Christian, who's a redshirt freshman who we saw essentially lead the offense throughout the Rutgers matchup last year when the team was stricken by the flu, and then get some late action against the Outback Bowl, preserved his redshirt status, was QB2 coming out of 2021, 
look to be that way going into 2022. But the one note we got is it's not Christian Veyu, it's Veyer, and that's like the third or fourth time we've had an about face on how to pronounce this quarterback's name. But generally, the note that he is not the next man up is pretty shocking, I think, for a lot of us in the beat, for a lot of us who have paid close attention. And it tells me that the Penn State coaching staff, maybe this was something that they were picking their brain at to down to the wire. And it's a conversation that that was finalized yesterday. And, and James Franklin felt comfortable telling us about it today. Um, but I think I think it says a lot about them maybe keeping this one close to the vest, because a lot of what we heard about Drew coming out of this camp and really going back to the spring was, as as advertised, but he's a guy to, to file away for the future. Now he's one snap away from stepping up week one for a team that has a bunch of sixth and fifth year seniors and the eggs being in the basket of 24-7 sports number one quarterback. And I don't know how much of it is. Look, these two are close and Christian Veyu is a quarterback they really like but they don't see him as a potential number one draft pick kind of quarterback, which is what the conversation and the narrative has been about Drew Aller for the past year and a half. And if it was that close, that could certainly tip the scales and, and influence this decision. And of course, you've got Bo Perbula, the other freshman on campus since January. Uh, we assume now as that number four quarterback. I think one thing that stood out to me after James Franklin's comments, which definitely made it sound like it was performance-based. Like, Yeah, it's important to note that. It performance-based, he didn't talk about Christian Veyer's availability. If there's something there, we didn't hear about it today. Yeah, James said James Franklin said that uh, Drew Aller earned this. And coming out of that news conference, uh, we had a couple of Zoom calls. Uh, I was on with Jair Brown and Juice Scruggs. And, the way, and they were both asked about Aller. And the way that both of them talked about it, it sounds like there's been a clear progression um, in how Aller has come along since he came uh, on campus um, in January. Uh, Jair Brown had really good things to say about that arm. Uh, he called it unbelievably talented, and he said that you know, Aller can throw it 60, 70, 80 yards, even further uh, if he wanted to, um, which I think is pretty high praise coming from a safety. But the way that Drew Scruggs, who's penciled in at, at Penn State's starting center, the way that he talked about Drew, I thought, was, was really interesting. He said that in the spring when when he would be working with Aller and they'd be in the huddle or they'd be uh, going through plays, Scruggs kept having to tell Aller to, to speak up, that when he got here, he didn't have that voice. And so that's something that he's seen really come along um, as the time has gone on and that he's kind of found that voice, is more confident, is learning how to be a leader. Uh, both Scruggs and Brown said that when Aller came in, you could kind of see him going through the feeling out process uh, where he was trying things that might have worked in high school to see if they would work at college, uh, a lot of trial and error. And both of them really made it sound like that he has really taken these steps forward. And that is what has put him in this position where we're talking about him behind Sean Clifford uh, going into week one. It really is. I mean, I remember a lot a lot of people last year when they realized that that Christian Veyer was one snap away from being the guy in against Ohio State. You know, that receives certainly some feedback and and, and where he was standing and, and you know, kind of the inevitable transition of him passing Taquan Roberson on the depth chart. This was one where we've kind of uh, you know said, OK, this is an evolving depth chart. It's one that we should be monitoring going into September, coming out of September and then going into November again. And, and then coming out of the season, you've got the potential for an open position battle at quarterback. And 
I, I think it's almost hard to look back at 2019 and say that was a fully open competition because you had Tommy Stevens not fully cleared to be a full participant in the spring. He leaves. This one just it feels like it's going to shape up differently. Now what this seems to do is instead of Christian Veyu being the guy to, to gobble up whatever reps are going to await beyond Sean Clifford early in the season at least – Drew, Drew Aller is up there, and I know folks would love to see Penn State go out and pace Purdue by 30, 40 points. That's not what Las Vegas thinks will happen, but we'll see when Drew Aller gets to make his debut. I certainly do wonder how Sean Clifford is processing this. This is someone that we spoke to on Monday morning about it being a six-year senior, about uh, being a guy who's five, six years older than, than a bunch of players he's going to rely upon and who he's spending these days upon, including Drew Aller in that quarterback room. And in and Clifford's assessment, certainly he feels like he is a commander of this offensive attack. Uh, that continuity with Mike Yersich, uh, we, we know the confidence is never lacking with Sean Clifford. But, you know, you just wonder if he doesn't put it together in game one and Penn State struggles. And, and I hate to forecast it like that. To me, the shift of Drew Aller being a guy who was on the back burner for this season to someone who is now one play away changes the dynamics of how the Beaver Stadium crowd could interact with Sean Clifford, starting with that first home game on September 10th. And it's just a completely different storyline. One that I don't want to blow up too out of proportion because I, I think if Penn State staff has their way, Drew Aller isn't really going to factor in much on Thursday night. But to me, from what we do and 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 discussing the team and the storylines and what the fans do, which is completely different and, and in some ways the same, but using your imagination, this inspires a lot of that imagination. And it goes back to what we were hearing from people uh, that we've heard from people about there being a lot more confidence uh, in the depth behind Sean Clifford and what that can kind of mean for how they play Sean Clifford, what he's able to do. Um, but yeah, you're exactly right. The The dynamic is just feels very different um, going into this year. And like you said, it's, it's hard not to blow it up too much because there's you know, 12 games on the schedule this fall. Uh, Sean Clifford, when he was healthy at the beginning of last year was more than competent uh, in Mike Yersich's system. There's a lot of confidence going into year two, but when Drew Aller is in that one play away scenario, it's just, it's so hard to ignore that based on um, what the, the hype and the perception of him coming out um, of high school in Ohio was and what we've seen from him physically on the field and just kind of the the whole the quarterback room as a whole and, and some of the recent quarterback play that, that Penn State has gotten uh, from that backup spot. There are four scholarship quarterbacks on this 2022 Penn State roster. Sean Clifford, a six-year senior, is six foot two, 212 pounds. Christian Veyer, the redshirt freshman, is six foot four, 200 pounds. Bo Perbula, the true freshman, six foot two, 204 pounds. And then Drew Aller, the new backup quarterback and, and the true freshman himself, six foot five, 242 pounds. And one thing also that that separates those two guys a little bit and to some extent extends to Bo Perbula. It's something I've talked about on this podcast in the past, haven't brought it up in a while. Only one of those guys was targeted and offered by Mike Yersich. It was a, a commitment from Bo Perbula that he inherited, and I think he was happy to inherit it and get to the finish line and bring Bo into that quarterback room. Um, whereas he was hired, I think, two weeks or less than after Kirk Shiraka was, was fired. Um, you know, Christian Veyu thought he was heading up the campus to sit down with Kirk Shiraka and go over game film and get the practice work with him. And instead, Mike Yersich was waiting there. Drew Aller, we know the story last year, gets offered by Penn State, and Yersich is a three-star. 
finishes up as the number one quarterback in our rankings at 24-7 sports. And it's really not hard not to view him as the, the crown jewel of this quarterback room moving forward. We heard from Brian Stumpf, who is the longtime Elite 11 director, for an episode very recently here on the podcast, Daniel. And in discussing Jackson Smolik, we, we brought it over to Drew Allard. He says number one NFL draft pick potential. And I can tell you, Brian Stumpf has worked closely with a lot of future number one picks. We're getting, we're getting over our skis a bit here because we got to talk about the matchup that awaits in three days. But when you talk about the next three years, folks, it's very difficult to ignore what we did. And I want to reinforce this because James Franklin is a master of not telling us things when he doesn't want to tell us things. Could have done that today, went out of his way, told us that his quarterback, too, is Draller. And he said it before he even told us. I know this one's going to get you guys typing. It has, and I think it's got a lot of folks listening and trying to figure out what exactly this means for Penn State's offense and quarterback spot, not just going into this matchup at Purdue, but what it means when you get into the bulk of this Big Ten schedule and you'd think by then you get a little bit of a glimpse at number 15 in some game action. And, and what does that do about the conversation on where the coaching staff sees the ceiling and the guy with the keys and how he can operate and get to that ceiling can be very, very compelling if Jeraller can go out there and light it up a little bit whenever that opportunity arrives. And actually, our five-star mailbag will take us right down that road once more. Anything else on the quarterbacks? Is there are like six or seven other positions that warrant attention today? No, I, th I think that we're it's you know September first, twenty twenty-two. That is the Purdue game. That's the opener. And I think coming into today, that was where a lot of us were had a lot more of our focus and where we thought everything would be. But whenever you talk about Drew Aller, I think that it's suddenly you're thinking about October 2022, November, and then suddenly 2023, 2024. Um, it, it definitely changes the dynamic a little bit. Um, if Sean Clifford goes out, stays healthy, and and is effective, it, it might not end up mattering this year. But from where we are right now in August, I think that that changes the complexion a little bit, changes the dynamics, uh, something, and it's just another storyline to, to add to the list for this this fall. I'm pretty sure we're also to the point now you got to go back to probably 2017 where Penn State's backup quarterback was not needed, whether it was a performance-based change. But typically it's been a, a quarterback getting banged up, Trace McSorley in the past, more recently Sean Clifford. So it's been a position that Penn State has utilized in some very important moments uh, to mixed results. And, and we'll find out a lot more about Drew Aller, I would imagine, moving forward. But let's focus a little bit on the position battles that we've been monitoring uh, aside from the one that we didn't necessarily give enough credence to at, at QB2. So Mike Linebacker, this is a spot Tyler Elston, Kobe King have been mentioned for a long time now. Uh, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, James Franklin uh, made it clear that Tyler Elston had the edge at that point in preseason camp, but uh, that it wasn't done yet. Kind of the same vibe from, from the comments today. Tyler Elson starting against Purdue. I don't necessarily that means he's starting for the 2022 season. We're going to see a lot of Kobe King. We're going to see a lot of, of those guys. They'll get that opportunity to flex their muscles as communicators, as tacklers, as defensive leaders. And you'd like to imagine, I think, for the healthier defense that you are able to kind of shore things up and find the guy within those first few games. But to the same point, uh, if Kobe or Tyler prove that it's hard to take them off the field, then more power to them. I'm really curious to, to watch this battle unfold because James Franklin today kind of reiterated what he said, um, I think maybe last week or before, where you're going to see both Tyler Elsden and Kobe King. Um, but the thing that I'm really curious about is that the way that they talk about that Mike linebacker spot and the way that it's presented to us is it's the quarterback of the defense. You have to know what's going on. And can you really afford to rotate in there? I think that that 
if we'd had a little bit more time um, to expand on some things, I think that would have been a, a great follow-up uh, for James Franklin, or I'd be curious to hear Manny Diaz's thought on that. But that's something that that stands out to me is in the defense, if you're rotating at that spot, um, you know, how do you kind of double check to make sure that everyone's staying on the same page? But I am really interested to see how that plays out. Um, is it going to be a, a series by series rotation? Is it going to depend on quarter? Could it even be in the same drive, depending on situations, given given their skill sets? But I am really interested to see both of those players, uh, you know, coming in, getting on the field. Um, obviously, we've barely seen Kobe King uh, play football uh, for Penn State. Tyler Elsden was someone that we got a glimpse at. And uh, in talking to him, uh, I think it was in the spring, it was really interesting to hear him talk about his development, um, that he had some really good insight into how he's come along um, from North Schuylkill uh, over to Penn State what that leap was like, where he's improved and, and what he, he thinks he can do on the field. So I'm I'm pretty enthusiastic to see what that looks like on Thursday night. But I, you know, looking ahead to Ohio, to Auburn, um, Northwestern, like who will be the Mike linebacker at Michigan? Will it be one guy? Will they still be splitting time? I think that that's something before we get into the real teeth of Big Ten play uh, that we're going to, to need an answer to. The communication piece to me is what's really going to be tested. Purdue's going to show up with the blackout. We saw Maryland show up with the blackout a few years back, and it went really, really bad for them in a hurry. But at least at the beginning of this thing, it's going to be a revved-up atmosphere that's going to force these guys to adjust. And and it, it, regardless of how much you train, how much you crank up those speakers on the practice field next to Lush, it's just it's a different beast when you go on the road in front of a Big Ten atmosphere. And, and although Elsden and Kobe traveled with the team last year, when you've got the defensive lineman turning toward you and the defensive backs turning toward you. And, and and you've got the quarterback trying to get his team set up across the field. That's when you learn about a, a guy. And I think what we heard from PJ Mustafa, who knows a little bit about being a leader as a two-time team captain, you know, speaking with him a bit today says what he didn't want to, I shouldn't say separates Tyler Elson because he was very quick to say, look, Tyler and, and Kobe have been phenomenal as they used uh, the word he used uh, in their understanding of the defense and their ability to disseminate that across the way to other players. But he said with Elson, the understanding of the game has been huge for him. He said he's able to go out there, really set them up properly. And it's big from a defensive alignment standpoint. So I, I don't know if, if that's just where he's a little further along right now. Uh, he's got, uh, got an extra year on his, on his campus right now, Tyler Elson being a red shirt sophomore versus Kobe King, the red shirt freshman. But we talked about it for a while. Whoever logs that first start they're also going to have to watch the other guy play some middle linebacker uh, against Purdue and, and and go out and try to win that job over and over again uh, Manny Diaz is going to get a fresh look on a lot of defensive players nothing feels quite as important to me as making sure this at least is is at the very least uh, a manageable and, and and cohesive and accountable position if you get more than that that's great and it could really elevate the ceiling but if you get less than that that's where I think you could really see plans defensively what, what we think this team could do unravel a bit um dan when we go over to guard that's another spot for a long time we've been saying look there's guys involved here you're going to see a bunch of them nothing really changed from franklin in that regard too landon tengwall and salim wormley are the two players we project to be the starting guards uh on thursday night tengwall on the left side wormley on the right side but Hard to ignore the fact that Hunter Norzad coming in as a transfer from Cornell, getting to campus in May, has really made his push. He's made his case. He's involved at the right side. He's involved on the left side at guard. He's also involved at center to a lesser extent. Um, so to me, what stood out from, from, from Franklin's comments was Landon Tengwall, Salim Wormley, Hunter Norzad. They're all Penn State starters, essentially. 
two of them could be on the field at the same time. So that leads you to believe series by series, we're going to see Phil Troutwine, uh, Jaywan Sider, Mike Yurcich. You'd imagine there's been a lot of game plan involved into going with this. You don't want to kill rhythm as the game moves forward, but you're going to see some personnel transition uh, on a series by series basis, which I know rankles some people, but it's kind of the way it goes in week one across college football. Yeah, I think it's similar to kind of what I just said about the Mike linebacker spot is what will this actually look like uh, in, in practice? I mean, it's it's easy for, for James Franklin to say that they're all going to play, they're all going to get starters reps, um, but what does that look like in practice? I mean, I think last year it was a different situation, different players, but the Anthony Wigan and, and Eric Wilson rotation was not a rotation for very long. Uh, it was very, I think it was the end of the first quarter at Wisconsin and uh, Eric Wilson never left the lineup again pretty much after that. Um, so is it going to be, will it be Hunter Norzad only rotating in at one spot and will either Tangwall or Warmly actually have that starting job locked down? Um, could it be both spots? Um, what kind of continuity uh, do you sacrifice by doing that? I think there's a, a lot of questions, but I think it'll be the thing where on beginning of every drive on Thursday night at Purdue, you're going to be looking at that offensive line, figuring out which five guys are out there, figuring out if the five guys are in the same spots every single time. Um, but its I think it's going to be curious to watch. Um, I think they're really excited about Hunter Norzad, and I think that he definitely gives, him, uh, gives the team a level of depth um, that they didn't really have in the past. And kind of as James Franklin has reiterated a couple of times, that raises the level of competition in practice. So Theoretically, it should raise the competition of play on Saturdays or, or Thursday. Um, but this is another thing where we can kind of maybe project how it'll look uh, in, in theory. But in practice, once thing once kind of the once it's live, once this is real, um, can they will they stick to a script? Will someone make it clear that that they deserve to be out there? Um, once things are real, once things are live, I think that's what I'll be looking for uh, on Thursday night. Yeah, let me apply the we got to see it to believe it label, which is like the <laughs> disclaimer that gets thrown out by everybody on any offensive line conversation, including on this on this podcast. But this competition feels I feel like it needs to be contrasted from last year's competition where I don't think they felt like either of those guys were ready to go out and be their starting guard against Wisconsin. I mean, we, we heard from Jaywan Sider last week just generally talking about why, why there's optimism for the ground game, why there's a rebound in place, and why we're going to see that occur this fall. And, you know, I, I don't think he did it with any malicious intent to p- p- uh, pile on the guy, but he said Anthony Wiggins out there last year week one as a starting guard and probably wasn't ready to play. And he was saying that in reference to the fact that they really felt like they had someone special emerging last year and Salim Wormley. That reemergence has taken place over the course of preseason camp, going back to spring ball. And then I think Hunter Norzad, it, it's gone from, look, we got to see the guy prove it. Had a hell of a career at the Ivy League uh, level, but he's got to come here. He's got to do it against our defensive linemen week in, week out. And then we want to see him against do it against Big Ten defensive linemen elsewhere. I think he checked off the first part of his list. Uh, we don't necessarily know how many low moments there were for Hunter Norzad in that transition, but he's come out of preseason camp on a higher note, and I'd say just about as well as you can anticipate for a guy who got to Canvas in May, making that jump in competition. And then Landon Tengwall, everything you heard, including today from Drew Scruggs, and I'll let you run with that if you want, is people can't believe he's only a second-year college football player. He was redshirted last year. I know it surprised some people, particularly with the injuries that took pl- injuries that took place and the poor performances that took place on the offensive line. But I just want to reiterate, 
contrasting the situation from last year where you had Juice Scruggs as your starting right guard um, and you had Mike Miranda at center and then you had the, the conversation at left guard. I feel like totally different conversation right now at the center position. The right guard, Salim Wormley, is riding a high. And then on the left side, Landon Tengwall again. Uh, this guy was as blue chip as it gets for offensive linemen that this program has recruited. And it seems like Hunter Norzad is going to be, quote unquote, starter rep kind of guy whether or not we see him from the first snap at Purdue or not. That is a really good point to make about the competition last year versus this year. And I think that Salim Wormley is someone that the, the program is just really excited about. Um, you know, James Franklin made the comment on uh, media day where he was talking to Sean Clifford and they were talking about how well Salim Wormley was playing this in camp. And, and Sean reminded uh, James Franklin that this is what they were seeing last year uh, before Salim Wormley got hurt. So I think it's one of the, one of those cases where th- there's a higher floor and a higher ceiling uh, for for play at that spot, uh, no matter who's rotating through there um, and how that's shaking out. But Landon Tangwell is someone that I think, like you said, some people were surprised that we didn't see him more last year. Um, so I think that he's someone where there's a lot of anticipation to see what he can do. Uh, Juice Scruggs uh, earlier today said that he he always forgets that Landon Tangwall is is just in his second year of college football uh, based on how he plays, how he looks physically, how he kind of carries himself. Uh, he seems like an, an upperclassman uh, almost at this point. So I think Tangwall is someone that people want to see. Uh, like you said, he's he's blue chip guy. He came in with a lot of hype. Uh, he was in that small class of 2021. So uh, there's a lot of attention on him and now he finally has the chance to, to make good on that and show what he is capable of doing. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We'll see a few faces at the guard spot. Expect to see just one guy, Juice Scruggs, at center. And I want to reiterate something we talked about last week. There is a lot of confidence in Juice Scruggs right now as the, as the man uh, snapping the ball to Sean Clifford or wherever it may be at quarterback over the course of this year, what he's bringing to the offensive line. Named team captain. I know people are going to say, well, Rasheed Walker was named the team captain last year. Hold on to that for as much as you want. It's a different case, different circumstances. And again, got to see it to believe it. But Juice Scruggs, I think, is a big part of the reason why people feel like positive momentum is building. We'll take Franklin's lead, though, and drop the conversation there because he did not want to go down that road. He said, again, you guys will tell me exactly how good our offensive line is on Thursday night. So we'll find out uh, if he's enjoying that post-media conversation or if he's uh, dreading it uh, after Purdue. But uh, something's got to come to fruition after we get to see this offensive line actually go about its business for the course of four quarters. Over to the skill position, uh, receiver is an area where we've heard a lot about 
depth being in a good place, maybe not quite as good as they would like uh, in an ideal scenario right now going into week one. James Franklin says they want to go a full two deep, feel good about six guys that they can go to without much of a drop off. He says they've got five and a half ready to go. Uh, may not surprise you. He didn't let us know who the half of a receiver was at this stage, but we do know that Hunter, uh, that, that uh, Harrison Wallace, uh, outside of that, those three guys that have played a bunch of college football, the two returning stars in Keandre Lambert-Smith um, and Parker Washington, and then Mitchell Tinsley, who came in after a phenomenal season at Western Kentucky. Beyond those three, Harrison Wallace is the guy who's generated a lot of buzz, redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore Malik Mega as well, just a physical specimen. And then we've talked about in that slot, is it a guy like Liam Clifford to take onto that role? Is it uh, the the young the younger uh, players and, and Caden Saunders? Liam Clifford, of course, just a redshirt freshman himself. I think that's important to note here. Six guys on this receiver roster, Daniel, carry freshman status right now. Mitchell Tinsley's a one-year rental of sorts for the roster. But to me, when you look at the depth, what it could mean for this season, and then, of course, moving forward, because who knows if Parker Washington's around or even Andre Lambert-Smith, um, Look, you got to figure out who you got in that young group, and that extends all the way to Clifford and, and and Wallace, and then down to the four true freshmen. And I think among that group, we've been saying for a bit here, Keaton Saunders is the name to circle if you're thinking that someone might push to burn that red shirt. It's going to be curious to see who the the fifth and sixth wide receivers out there on Thursday night are going to be. I think when looking at the depth, obviously James Franklin says that they want to go six deep. Not necessarily ideal with with five and a half at this point, but I think that when you contrast it to last year, even with some of that uncertainty at in that second wave, I feel like they're in a much better spot because last year they really only went three deep. Um, I think Malik Mega was the the fourth leading receiver against uh, among wide receivers and he had four catches uh, or, or something along those lines last year. So I think that even though they want to see more. I think the wide receiver group is still in a in a better situation. And Harrison Wallace is really, I think, the guy to watch here. Uh, Sean Clifford said this morning, I think it was Clifford that said that he was rotating in with the ones um, and that you were, you were seeing a lot from him. We know the type of athlete he is. Uh, a lot of us have, have seen his basketball highlight tape. Um, I think that he's someone that can kind of um, – make those tough catches, make those plays when it looks like there isn't something there or it looks like a, a play that's dead in the water. He's the type of guy, whether it's it's running the ball, whether it's making a tough catch, um, I think that he's someone that can kind of elevate a play based on what we've been hearing uh, and what we've what we've seen out of him. But whoever that, you know, those next guys up are um, after that top three and going into Malik Mega and Harrison Wallace, um, it's a lot of guys that we just haven't seen because they're all so young. Uh, even someone like Jaden Dotton, who's in his third year, we've barely seen him. Um, Liam Clifford, Kane Saunders. Um, I think Omari Evans is a, a slight wild card. I mean, he was here in the in January, which obviously helps him compared to his classmates, Anthony Ivey and Tyler Johnson, who got here um, over the summer. But we know that Omari Evans has that speed. Um, I talked to Taylor Stubblefield about him in the spring and or earlier this summer, and Stubblefield said it was really fun to work with Omari Evans because he's just never been a full-time wide receiver before so that you can kind of mold him. You don't have to break bad habits. Um, you can kind of teach him to do things the right way and bring him along how you think it should be done. And obviously someone with Taylor Stubblefield's pedigree, um, I think he's someone who really knows how how things are done. So I think that he's someone that, Maybe we'll we'll see him get some action in, in the Mac games and um, maybe here or there with that four three speed. 
Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's a big kind of mess of guys. And I think that Penn State wants to see who will separate themselves, who will be able to put themselves in position to make an impact. I think James Franklin wants to see how somebody absorbs a very public statement about their standing on this roster, on the receiver rotation. I think whoever is that half knows they are the half and knows that they got to put in a big week of, of practice here. Uh, and when they get their opportunities against Purdue to shine and, and I, I look, let's face it, we can name eight, nine, 10 receivers. And that's a credit to what Taylor Stubblefield has done in assembling talent in that room. But uh, Franklin said it today, the, the top guys in this group are going to be in a tap out situation. So unless they're tapping on that helmet, Taylor Stubblefield is not going to be looking to do some kind of uh, a 50, 50 split between his first and second teams in this rotation. Uh, I would probably, again, separate into a top four. I keep, putting those three guys because they have a lot of experience at this level but it really does feel like Harrison Wallace belongs in that conversation guy who's going to be working in with some with some uh, number one units and we'll see if that happens against Purdue mega is tantalizing uh we still got a lot to learn about him let's get over uh, to another position uh and, and a few of them in the special teams room because uh you asked about this a, a, a couple of us did in the in the media room and, and this was uh, a really a nice opportunity to get some clarity because James Franklin put it all out there no surprise when, when a two-time Super Bowl MVP hands out a scholarship to your walk-on punter. I think he's your starter, and that is the case. Uh, Eli Manning gave that scholarship uh, after a Penn State practice and a last week to Barney Moore, who joined the program from Colgate in 2021. So he is your starting punter. Remember, they had Gabe Nuoso uh, working there. They also had uh, the freshman Alex Paquetta who got to campus after spring ball. But it will be Barney Moore, which kind of goes in line with what we heard going into preseason camp. And then – a little bit more of a murky situation with the kickoff specialist. It's going to be a split duty uh, between Gabe Nuasso. Again, the, the, the I think he's 280 pounds. He looks like an offensive tackle. He's out there punting and kicking the ball for Penn State. Uh, him and Sanders Sahedak, who was the number one kicker in 24-7 sports 2021 rankings. He's a redshirt freshman now. Sahedak, however, did not win that place kicker job. You did a nice job following up on this with Franklin. Jake Pinniger, the fifth-year senior, Look, we got glimpses uh, at practice, and for whatever reason, uh, Jake Pinniger was not the sharpest. Apparently, it wasn't a great sample size for how he was over the course of this preseason camp. I think every time we saw these two kickers going at it, Pinniger seemed to miss one, some of them from short distances. But Franklin said body work over preseason camp. He earned the job. Uh, they trust him. He's obviously played a ton of football for this program. Early on, he was their primary place kicker. That got cut into by Jordan Stath the last couple of years. Lost the job for a long time last year until resurfacing at the end. I think this is a guy that fans are going to need to see him re-earn the benefit of the doubt. Uh, and, and let's face it, for as good as Jordan Stout was last year, he was a superstar specialist. He was not a superstar place kicker. This is an area that can and needs to get better for the Nittany Lions. They played in a bunch of close games last year. I think they're going to do it again. you got to make sure this thing is correct. And let's face it, keeping Sanders Sahedak with that big leg on the sideline, and we'll see if that extends when it's 50-plus yards, that is a bit of a gamble in my opinion. But – we didn't see these guys kicking and kicking and kicking and kicking all year. James Franklin did, Stacey Collins did, and your starter is Jake Pinniger. Franklin had a lot of praise uh, for, for Jake Pinniger for for sticking it out last year. That you know, and, and he dropped the you know in this day and age with the transfer portal, the fact that Pinniger didn't win the job despite having that job for the previous two years and then not playing. Um, the fact that he came back for for this redshirt senior year, um, Franklin had a lot of good things to say about that, but. Yeah, I mean, we'll be curious to see if we see Sanders to Haydack at all. Um, kind of like what you said with, with James Franklin, when he he says what he wants to say, he keeps certain things uh, behind closed doors. You know, no one specifically asked if there was a, a line of demarcation 
um, for for the kickers like there was with Jordan Stout and Jake Pinniger. So I think that that'll be something that we'll have to learn um, Thursday or on, on a Saturday later this month when they do get into a situation with a long field goal attempt. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the specialist group, it's just really hard to replace Jordan Stout, the, the first punter drafted um, in the NFL draft who is in line to start uh, for the Baltimore Ravens. And if that team picks you and puts you in that starting role right away, they obviously think very highly of you. So there's big shoes to fill. Um, obviously, it wasn't going to be one person to fill them. Um, but I think that this group of specialists is is pretty it's pretty interesting to see them. And and also, I think that like we touched on with uh, Eli Manning presenting the scholarship to Barney Moore, that's always pretty cool. Um, yeah. I'm I think he's one of the more interesting uh, more interesting Penn State players to watch Thursday night because he's a six year senior, but he's only played one year of college football. Uh, he redshirted uh, at Colgate in, in 2017. Uh, shout out to all my friends who, who went to the gate. Uh, it's a beautiful place. Um, but then he didn't play in 2018, started in 2019, no, no uh, football for Colgate because of COVID in 2020, and then sat last year behind Jordan Stout. Um, when he did punt at Colgate, he was good. Program record, 42.1 yards per punt. Um, but that was that was two years ago at this point. So... Um, I think that he's someone that uh, we're going to have to get to know. It'll obviously be, be a little bit different. Um, I'm sure that Penn State will have the the right bullets out there on the edge to help him out. Um, that's another thing that we're going to have to wait until Thursday to find out um, how that position battle shook out. But uh, yeah, James Franklin loves to put emphasis on special teams. We see it with recruiting. We see it with the way that that he talks about it. Um, and I think that this is a really interesting kind of assortment with a lot of unknowns who we're going to learn a lot about really quickly. Yeah. And, and man, Jordan Stout, he was the defense's best friend last year, the way he was able to just turn a, a quick three and out possession uh, into a bit of a saving grace and, and set themselves up with by flipping the field. You just wonder uh, if we see a, a punt settle the sidelines, people are going to be reminded on what a little bit of an inconsistency in the punting game can be, and it can be a real problem. But we'll see what Barney Moore can do. As you said, is one opportunity to showcase it at the college level. Very successful season. Can he do it on the road in a blackout facing this kind of pressure? Again, different scenario, but uh, we'll see. And, and to this point, I think it's fair to say that Jordan Stout, at least you can make the case, uh, the, most, the biggest splash out of any transfer portal pickup for Penn State. But you also get the sense that Chop Robinson could eventually unseat him because he's got this eligibility. He's only a sophomore, and it certainly sounds like we're going to see a bunch of him on Thursday. File him away with Hunter Norzad, according to James Franklin, as a guy who, regardless of his status as a first-teamer or second-teamer, will be playing starters reps come this Purdue matchup, and I would imagine carrying over beyond it. That's great to hear about a guy who has not been a full-time focus on defensive end until he got with this program. We heard a lot of good things about what he did in summer workouts, kind of looking the part, feeling feeling his, uh, himself out as, uh, as being a part of this program. It seemed to be a real good fit. Practice started. Things were good. We heard good things. And now you get to the end of practice, and it was like, yeah, this dude's the real deal. He brings a different element of pass rush that, that this program is going to need. Um, and then you factor in that with some of the other elements they bring off the edge, and these Isaac being healthy and what denied Dennis Sutton do as the season progresses. But Nick Tarburton, we've said it, he's going to play a bunch of football for this team, probably a guy that's going to be overlooked no matter what he does, uh, positives, negatives, anything. People are going to overlook Nick Tarburton. People are not going to overlook Chop Tarburton because he's got a chance to provide some sizzle really early against a team that wants to pass the hell out of the ball 
this is the kind of guy that can help neutralize that a bit. That was a masterful segue right there, Tyler, uh, with the transfer portal. I, I think you're you're in midseason form right now. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a similar situation to, to what we saw last year, uh, where on the video board during pregame, they would go through the starters on the defense. And um, every week it would be there would be Arnold Evichetti, Nick Tarburton and Jesse Lucetta as the starting defensive end. So I think this year, if it's Adisa Isaac, Nick Tarburton and Chop Robinson, that wouldn't surprise me at all um, in the way that it's kind of presented in that pregame situation. But yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do. We've heard a lot of good things. He had that pedigree uh, as a five-star recruit in the top 24 seven coming out of Quince Orchard in Maryland. Um, but kind of like what we've talked about. There's a little bit of a transition going from that 3-4 outside linebacker to more of a 4-3 a defensive end. But when you talk about Manny Diaz's defense being aggressive, maybe looking a little bit different than what Brent Pry did, I think Chop Robinson is interesting in terms of what you can do with different packages, what you can do with getting multiple pass rushers out there um, in different kind of looks, um, whether that's you know maybe putting Hakeem Beeman somewhere on, on the line, moving a defensive end inside. Um, I think Chop Robinson is another type of player that can give you more flexibility, more options. And um, I think football, the way it's played now, you can't have too many pass rushers. You can't have too many guys that, that can make an impact off the edge uh, in the trenches. And I think that this defensive end group as a whole looks a lot different than it did in January. And I think it's definitely for the better. Yeah, Penn State has, this offseason alone, added guys who were considered five-star recruits in the past two cycles, four of those guys, three in the 2022 class with Drew Alar, your new number two quarterback, Nick Singleton. He could be your starting running back pretty soon based on everything we're hearing, although he's got competition with K. Charn Allen and Kevon Lee and Devin Ford, of course. But these freshman returns, then I Dennis Sutton a little bit later getting to campus, but certainly sounds like a factor. And then you throw in Chop Robinson, who's a year removed from being that five-star for someone else's program, and now Penn State brings him on board. Just a tremendous infusion of talent for a program coming off of a couple down years to be able to bring them on board and see where it takes them. Those are the kind of pickups that you could really uh, help make that leap uh, from a 7-6 season back into Big Ten title contention. Of course, there's a lot more to get to, a lot of storylines that are going to determine what this Nittany Lions team is. We're covering a bunch of them at Lions247.com on an hourly, daily basis at this point. We are into game week number one. And, Daniel, let's finish things off with our five-star mailbag before we get back to work on getting things to the site and getting over to the practice field because we're going to take a peek at Penn State practice right around 5 p.m. here in Happy Valley. Let's jump into that mailbag question, and it'll bring us back to number 15 in that quarterback room. Because uh, I'll be honest, this was originally phrased a little bit differently. I had to tweak it. What kind of a lead would it take for James Franklin to pull Sean Clifford to give other quarterbacks some meaningful game reps? What about getting multiple backup quarterbacks involved? And the way this was originally presented to us on our Apple podcast page was what would it take for James Franklin to pull Sean Clifford and give Christian Veyer some meaningful reps? And what about getting the freshman involved? I had to kind of rewrite this one coming out of the press conference. So I think first things first, a uh, considerable lead would be big. I, I, I mean, three touchdowns in the fourth quarter kind of thing is, is always appreciated. Um, I don't know if it's the, if we're going to see this kind of lead much, though, for Penn State over the course of this year. September, you always view the opportunities. Uh, they had a team like Idaho come to town a few years ago and put up 70 points or something on them. It doesn't shape up that way this year, Daniel. I think Ohio is the matchup where you say if you can come out, put together a complete first half, 
half. You look at the talent disparity, um, the athletic disparity. There should be an opportunity to bury the Bobcats and, and get a longer look at Drew Aller in front of this Beaver Stadium crowd. Um, let's start there because for me, uh, if you see Drew Aller uh, in the game against Purdue, it's because something happened with Sean Clifford or or we got a lot more to talk about about the situation. I just don't see them necessarily throwing him in to have a little bit of fun for a series. Yeah, not not all three touchdown leads are, are created equal, I think. You know, a three touchdown lead on the road in the fourth quarter at Purdue is much different than a three touchdown lead at home against Ohio uh, might be in terms of turning to that backup, getting him in there. Um, but I think, like you said, Ohio is the game you really have to circle here. Um, Central Michigan under Jim McElwain has, they have some talent. Um, they're a nine-win team last year, I think. And you know, I think that game, it could be a little bit more uh, you know, touch and go. It could be a little bit more, a little bit tougher to pull away from a team like that, um, that has a great running back and can maybe shorten the game a little bit. So I think you look at Ohio as kind of, a game where you want to see Penn State get out to an early lead and put themselves in position where some of these backups like Drew Aller can get a real taste of meaningful game action. Um, this is something that James Franklin has, has mentioned in the past. I think that he phrased it as not being led by ego when it comes to the coaching staff where maybe, sure, the defense might want to shut out, but it might be more valuable to put some freshmen, some sophomores in um, even if you have if you have a big lead, they might give up a touchdown. You might lose that shutout, but you're giving them uh, valuable experience. So I think this is one of those things we've we've talked about it so much um, with this team in 2022. That kind of we'll believe it when we see it. Um, you know, we want to see them prove it, and I think it even extends as far to this scenario. Um, I know that last year in the the Ball State and Villanova games, it kind of felt from our perspective in the press box that it was kind of reaching that exhale point where, okay, this is enough points. Uh, Ball State or Villanova isn't playing uh, exactly, you know, is playing in a way where, okay, it, this feels like the good time to, to put the backups in, but Sean Clifford would trap back out there uh, for another series. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what that looks like, uh, you know, this year, if there is a point, if they do have it in their heads, like, okay, this is where we want to get the young guys some work. Um, but, you know, we'll have to actually see them out there, um, actually see them do it to really have a good handle on that. Yeah. And, and I mean, look, last time you went into, I, I don't know if it was the last time they went into a road, uh, a road opener in the big 10 in a blackout environment, but that was the case when Maryland was the matchup a few years back. And by, by the end of the thing, we saw Will Levis, Will Levis dropping the Thor hammer in the end zone. So who knows? Maybe Penn State goes out there and, and blows away the Vegas betting line. I know some people think this one could get away from Purdue. If that happens, then then maybe you don't have to wait long at all to see Drew Aller out there. In terms of multiple quarterbacks in the game, I think that is asking a lot. October 1st marks the start of the Big Ten play. Um, you know, Say what you will about my alma mater or your alma mater, but I don't see any necessarily like this is clearly going to be a 50-point win for Penn State uh, at the end of the day. So I think it's a it's a fair question. It's a good question. It's one that James Franklin has been asked this offseason because there have been times in the past where they've been forced to put quarterbacks in key moments and they didn't have that opportunity to get any seasoning early on when you feel like there may have been some opportunities to do so. So you'd like to avoid history repeating itself. And, and if something happened were to happen to Sean Clifford, all of a sudden you kind of left dangling in the wind in October with without a lot of reps there. But we're going to see Drew Aller involved, I'd imagine. We didn't hear him name the backup quarterback uh, here with, with a couple of days left in August to not see him 
get involved in the field in September. I think that certainly I think signals we're, that we're going to see number 15 out there taking snaps in game action. I think the question for me is with Christian Veyer, you know, does he get the opportunity uh, to work his way back into position where he's playing football in games this year? Because that is a tough thing to have taken from you. It's going to make you really reevaluate, reconsider where you stand on a roster, especially at the quarterback spot where you don't see a lot of multi-use situations across college football or here at Penn State. And Bo Prabula, look, I think for him, it's just going to be about staying the course, being patient. And he's a guy that didn't come as a hired mercenary uh, uh, fr from across the country because he was a top prospect and he fell in love with this brand. He's a hometown kid, loves the Penn State Nittany Lions, and I just see Bo Prabula staying with this thing as long as he possibly can to milk the situation and put himself in a spot where he can be the starting quarterback for Penn State. Christian Veyer, I don't know when he learned the news. We learned it today. I got to imagine this is not the week one experience he was looking for, and it's going to leave him with some things to chew on and consider moving ahead. James Franklin was clear to say that this isn't set in stone. Um, yeah, so I, I, yeah, I, I think we might have might not have put that disclaimer in uh, earlier when we were talking about this, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. Uh, we saw last year that the depth chart behind Sean Clifford changed uh, based on in-game performances and and the situation. So we know that these depth charts, especially when you get into second and third teamers and even fourth teamers, that that can be really fluid based on what's happening on the practice field, what's happening behind the scenes. Um, but where things are right now, there's a lot of new questions about Drew Aller, about Christian Veyer, um, that we don't really, we didn't, we weren't really expecting to be trying to answer today. And when your coaching staff is situated between the uh, the transfer portal and a crowded quarterback room, there's some politicking that goes on, and and, and you got to be careful. It's not, it, it's not an easy decision. It's not easy to break this news, and then moving forward can you kind of get everybody on the same page and try to maintain that competition? But to me, the fact that they Franklin was willing to go out there and say Drew Aller is the number two guy here for week one, I think it says a lot. I think it says a lot to put that out there. Um, and we'll see how much real soon. That's the beauty of it. We're not in June anymore. We're not back in May. This is game week, and we'll talk about it more. We're going right into it with four episodes this week. I know I, I think I mentioned last week we weren't going to go four episodes until we were getting normal game weeks, but why wait? Tomorrow, Tuesday, you'll hear from a, a Purdue Boilermakers beat reporter, get a full scope of what awaits on that matchup from the opposing perspective. And then Wednesday, we're back with predictions, not just for game one, but our season-long predictions, some final thoughts. We're at practice again this week. We've got Taylor Stubblefield, the wide receivers coach, on a call Tuesday. So plenty coming your way from myself, Daniel, Mark Brennan, everybody else over at Lions247.com. Tyler Calvaruzzo has you covered with recruiting. A bunch of stuff coming out of the weekend from commits and top performers. And right now, before I forget to promote it, 75% opening week discount at Lions247.com just for this game one uh, week. It's our biggest percentage off of the entire year. So 70% off a VIP deal to jump in for a full year with us and gain access to the 24-7 Sports Network, which really impressive stuff coming from our regional, national guys in season, out of season, recruiting, what have you. We have a lot of support working our way up the national scene, and, and we appreciate that. But we're doing a pretty good job here locally, I think, as well, and we'll continue to do that. we got to get over to the field. Daniel and I have to do some typing for now. Stepping aside, I'm Tyler Donahue. For our producer, Lance Glenn, this has been the Lions 24-7 Podcast. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. 
Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.